Shadow is not at all happy with me. He lies by the fire while the chill wind rattles the door, tail inert, staring out from beneath that shaggy forelock of his, with the sort of accusatory resignation peculiar to dogs, as if to say, of all the stupid adventures you've dragged me on, this will surely be the death of us. I fear I have to agree, though this makes me no less eager to begin my research. Herein, I intend to provide an honest account of my day-to-day activities in the field as I document an enigmatic species of fairy called Hidden Ones. This journal serves two purposes. To aid my recollection when it comes time to formally compile my field notes, and to provide a record for those scholars who come after me, should I be captured by the folk. Verba volant scripta manent. As with previous journals, I will presume a basic understanding of dryadology in the reader, though I will gloss certain references that may be unfamiliar to those new to the field. I have not had reason to visit Useland before, and would be lying if I said my first sighting this morning didn't temper my enthusiasm. The journey takes five days from London, and the only vessel to get you there is a weekly freighter carrying a great variety of goods and a much smaller variety of passengers. We ventured steadily north, dodging icebergs, whilst I paced the deck to keep my seasickness at bay. I was among the first to sight the snowbound mountains rising out of the sea, the little red-roofed village of Hravensvik huddled below them like Red Riding Hood as the wolf loomed behind her. We inched carefully up to the dock, striking it hard once, for the grey waves were fierce. The gangway was lowered by means of a winch operated by an old man with a cigarette clamped nonchalantly between his teeth, How he kept it lit in that wind was a feat so impressive that hours later I found myself thinking back to the glowing ember darting through the sea spray. I came to the realisation that I was the only one disembarking. The captain set my trunk down upon the frosty dock with a thunk, giving me his usual bemused smile, as if I were a joke he only half understood. My fellow passengers, it seemed, few that there were, were headed for the only city in Useland, Loabar, the ship's next port of call. I would not be visiting Loabar, for one does not find the folk in cities, but in the remote, forgotten corners of the world. I could see the cottage I had rented from the harbour, which astonished me, The farmer who owned the land, one Christian Eggelson, had described it to me in our correspondence, a little stone thing with a roof of vivid green turf just outside the village, perched upon the slope of the mountain near the edge of the forest of Kirthuskoger. It was such stark country, every detail from the jumble of brightly painted cottages to the vivid greenery of the coast to the glaciers lurking on the peaks, was so sharp and solitary, like embroidered threads, 
that I suspect I could have counted the ravens in their mountain burrows. The sailors gave Shadow a wide berth as we made our way up the dock. The old boarhound is blind in one eye and lacks the energy for any exercise beyond an ambling walk, let alone tearing out the throats of ill-mannered sailors. But his appearance belies him. He is an enormous creature, black as pitch, with bearish paws and very white teeth. Perhaps I should have left him in the care of my brother back in London, but I could not bear to, particularly as he is given to fits of despondency when I am away. I managed to drag my trunk up the dock and through the village. Few were about, being most likely in their fields or fishing boats, but those few stared at me as only rural villagers at the edge of the known world can stare at a stranger. None of my admirers offered help. Shadow, padding along at my side, glanced at them with mild interest, and only then did they look away,